Well, good evening, everyone. It is again, as always, an absolute pleasure to be able to stand before people who are willing to open up the Word of God and to be about the things that God would have us to be about in His Word and, and the things that He has to say and, and to follow in the way that He would have us do. It has been a pleasure to worship with you, and, and, I, and I pray that we'll continue to do that in, in a manner that pleases God and in spirit and in truth. And for us to do that, specifically for this period of worship, we're going to be looking in the Word of God quite a bit. Starting in Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, if you turn with me there, we'll be talking from that, from that passage in just a moment. But before that, I'd like to talk about something very serious. Now, not too long ago, there was a very fatal wreck that occurred there at Light 10 here in Somerset, Kentucky. Someone was going about their day. They were expecting to continue to continue to be able to see their family, to live, to eat, to breathe, to experience God's creation. And because of a reckless driver and a situation that was out of that man's hands, his life was ended. And that just goes to show us that we, first and foremost, that our days are numbered. And secondly, that we do not know the number of those days. We do not know when our last moments will be. One day we're all going to die. We must cope with that reality. We must come to terms with it. And we may not be expecting it, but it may still come. And it has been appointed unto men once to die, and then the judgment. There is a day coming where we will all be judged, dead or living. Where we will all have to face all the deeds that we've done, all the thoughts that we've thought, all the actions that we've taken, every intent of the heart will be open. And we know that on that day there are going to be certain things that are going to occur. And while the Bible speaks to several things that we're certain that we'll hear and see, I have a certain image in my mind. And so, while all the things that I say, they may not be certain, some will, but I'd like if you would just come with me and just... Just try to, as much as you can, immerse yourself and imagine with me that day, that day of judgment that's going to be coming. When we will hear the trumpet sound and the voice of the archangels. On that day, I can imagine miraculous things happening. And I know that the Bible speaks to things like the the dead rising from the earth to go to meet Christ in the clouds. The Savior descending on those clouds, seeing the Messiah. I know that the voice of the archangels will be heard. And I can imagine just things like this building being ripped apart atom by atom as we watch. And just sounds and maybe even colors that we could never possibly imagine, that we've never experienced. Sensations that we could not possibly fathom as everything is made new by God. On that day, the world will be consumed by fire. And things, like I said, will be made new. But before that, we will certainly be judged. And on that day, we will have a chance to give an account for ourselves. Now we read in Romans chapter 14 and verse 12. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Tonight we sang that, or this morning actually, we sang that hymn face to face. But when we sing that, do we really 
process the depth of what it would mean to be face to face to God. Can you imagine how small you would feel face to face with the Lord? Smaller than an ant. Smaller than an atom. Comparatively to Him, you would seem like nothing. Can you imagine the massive wisdom of God knowing that you have nothing to teach Him and everything to learn from Him? Knowing His courage and His steadfast love and you would know that you have no choice but for your knees to knock and then to finally to bow. Knowing that He knows all and in comparison you know very, very, very little. And finally, knowing that He is aware of every transgression and of every misstep and everything left undone as we have prayed today, that He is aware of each thing, abundantly aware. And knowing that He is demanding of you an account of who? Of yourself. He's asking, make your case. And so in response to that, to the great question, why have you lived in this manner? Why have you done these things? What has driven you? What will you say? What will you say on the day of judgment? It will depend heavily on your relationship to God. It may be that your relationship to God is not all that it's supposed to be. It may be that it has been somewhat of a, of a weak and half-hearted relationship. It's been full of missteps and, and bad questions, just like Josh talked about this morning. Of Well... For example, one thing that I've heard in the past is, well, is, is, is the PM service really bound? Do I really have to be at Bible class? Do I have to be at Bible class in the AM? Do I have to show up on Wednesday night? Is that, is that essential to my salvation? Questions like that, they demonstrate a heart problem. They ask, what's the bare minimum that I can do to get by and still call myself a Christian? You think about churches like the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3 and how they felt like they had need of nothing. These Christians, they were, they were Christians, but they were slowly drifting away because they felt like they had need of nothing and they were ready to be spit out of the mouth of the Lord. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 28, if you just turn with me to Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. You know, when people ask questions like this, well, what's the bare minimum I can do? What can I get by with? How, how far can I go to the line before I have to stop? You have to ask, have you, do you understand the gospel? Luke chapter 14 and verse 28 says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? A good brother of mine said this, If you're asking questions like, is the PM service bound? Do I have to show up to Bible class on the Sunday AM and on Wednesday? And, and you know, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? What's the bare minimum I can do and still skirt by? That brother said, 
well, you need to just... I can't show you a verse that says you need to show up on Wednesday night and you need to show up on Sunday on the PM service. I can't show you that. But what we can do is we can sit down and we can read the account of the crucifixion of our Lord. And then if you still don't get it after that, then we can just read it again. Because that's what it takes sometimes. And so we see here that that Christianity, the cornerstone of our faith is on what Jesus did on the cross. That He gave His life, He suffered and died so that He could be raised and fulfill the Scriptures and show us the power of God and give us that avenue to salvation. And we have to understand that within that message is a message that suffering is necessary to the human experience. That we're going to have to make sacrifices and it's going to be difficult. It's not always going to be easy. That's the entire message of the Gospel. That's the entire message of the New Testament. Those Christians, they didn't have to be jostled to go out and do evangelism. Talked about that in the Bible class this morning, talking about the stoning of Stephen. Man, we can hardly get people today to approach a stranger and talk about the gospel for two minutes in a grocery store. Small gestures, talking to your family members. We get all antsy. But those men in those days would walk out in the marketplace and preach Jesus for hours till somebody ran them off with whips. So what's happening here? In some places, we are dropping the ball. And we have to be able to acknowledge that. And we have to ask ourselves, for those things that we've done and those things that we haven't done, what are we going to say for ourselves? We've got to ask, have I counted the cost? We must admit further that every one of us, the temptation when we're listening to this part of the lesson, I know, is that you're thinking about so-and-so who's really struggling and really drifting. But we all fall into this category sometimes, don't we? It does not matter how strong of a Christian you are. At some point, you're going to be this person. You're going to be this half-hearted Christian. You're going to be this tattered and torn and haggard saint that's worn from the battle and you have been relying on your own strength too much and you're going to fall into this category. And if you do, on the day of judgment, you might be tempted to say some things like this. You might be tempted to say, I was so tired. I was just so tired. I put so much effort. I was, I was just exhausted. You might say, just cut me some slack, God. I tried. You might say, well, just I had to work so much. I had to make a living and it just got in the way and I got my priorities out of whack. You might say, I was weak. I was, just wasn't strong enough, Lord. Just wasn't strong enough. You didn't give me what I needed. Or you could say, I'm only human. You made me that way and it's your fault. You made it this way to where I kept slipping again and again. And brothers and sisters, on judgment day, none of this is going to cut it. Not a word of this is going to cut it. And we have to cut this out. And we have to cut out this kind of thinking and nip it at the bud before we're face to face with God with these thoughts. Before we accidentally, let's say, it's time to give the account and we start blurting out this nonsense and make a fool of ourselves before the Lord. And even worse than this, even worse than a half-hearted Christianity and a half-hearted faith, is someone who has completely given up entirely. Someone who has said, sayonara and thanks for all the bread. This isn't for me. I'm talking here about apostasy. Apostasy. 
What does that mean, apostasy? It's when we have a brother or sister that completely leaves the family of God, that turns their back on us. And you know, I'm not convinced that there are many of, of our brethren that are like this here. If they were here, then perhaps that they would still be hanging on by a thread. And that's probably the most solemn and the most painful part of dealing with this. If you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 21, please. 2 Peter chapter 21. is we have these memories of these people. And we, we remember when they were faithful. And we remember when they were zealous for the Lord. But now we know that their fate is even worse than before they knew the truth. 2 Peter chapter 21 and verse 21 and then down to verse 22. For it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. It does. It boggles my mind to think of someone who could experience the family of God and the household of God and you've sat and you've worshipped with us and you've, you've experienced that fellowship and that brotherly and sisterly love that we share as a family and you've experienced the love of God and the love of the Father and you understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what that's made and then you just decide one day it's too hard can't do this anymore you know God God provided everything good that we have And for me, that just takes apostasy off the table. God gave us everything down to the very word that has led me exactly to this spot. And for me to turn my back on that, and for you to turn your back on that, must be always taken off the table. And we must consider our brothers and sisters that have gone away, and have gone astray, and they have fallen from grace. And we must make every effort to find these people in whatever way that we can and search them out and look for them and do all that we can to bring them back home safely. cannot imagine being face to face with the Lord and all that you have to say is I just didn't feel it anymore. I didn't have the same zeal anymore so I just quit. Or you say there were too many hypocrites in the church. Too many people were falling and slipping around me and I just couldn't believe in it anymore. Or you say, it was too hard to believe. It was too hard to believe that there was something greater than me. That there was something more out there than what I could see. And it was too hard to believe in the, the influence of Christ in my brothers and sisters' lives. Or to say, this brother or this sister, they hurt me. They did this awful thing to me and I just don't know if I can ever recover. And so they leave entirely. Never wanting to face that conflict. Or to say, the devil made me do it. That's the worst one. To say, I left the Lord because the devil made me do it. You let the devil make you do it? You let the devil make you do anything, you're in big trouble. And that's not going to cut it. None of these are going to cut it. None of these are going to justify apostasy. And furthermore, we can't let people slide on these. We have, to, we have to influence them and be positive and encouraging them and remind them that these are not good enough. These phrases are not going to cut it on the day of judgment. And that day is coming, brothers and sisters. We must remember that. And so, I've talked about people that 
are members of the Lord's body and they've struggled. And I've talked about members that were members of the Lord's body and they've fallen away and they've gone astray. And for those that that have gone astray, like I said, they're probably not here. I, I can't see anyone out here that I would call apostatized. But when I look around right now, I can see quite a few people who just have never obeyed the gospel. You know exactly who I'm talking to. You know exactly who I'm talking to if you're sitting there right now. And so for you, I ask you, are you able to understand these words that I'm speaking to you? Can you process this? If so, then you need to hear this. And you need to listen. And this is absolutely critical. We do not know... No matter how young we are or how strong we think we are, we're not young enough and we're not strong enough to outrun Judgment Day. It's time now. There's no time to wait. You don't know if you're going to be driving down the road and some fool's going to blast you at 100 miles per hour and take you out. You don't know that. You think it's not worth it. And I know that you've thought that again and again because you've considered it. The invitation song's been sung and you've thought, is it worth it? Is it worth getting up now or can I afford to wait and sit on the dime just a little bit longer? Is it worth the embarrassment of having to walk up before the crowd and admit that I'm a sinner? Is it worth it to just dabble in sin a little bit longer, guilt-free? Quotation marks. Is it worth it To just not expend the energy to get up and respond. And I'm going to tell you right now. It is not. And I'm not going to let you leave this building. Until you know the absolute truth about what you need to do. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. If you've not obeyed the gospel yet. I feel very, very sorry for you. I really do. And this is the reason. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. Inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. God is a loving God. Yes, He is. But He is also light. He is also justice. And He cannot allow the death of His innocent and only Son to be left unpunished. You do not want to find yourself standing at enmity with God. On the day of judgment. Do you know that that day could come right now? In this breath that I'm breathing, in between my words, at any moment, we could hear the trumpet. It's not worth it to sit on the dime. And so I tell you this. If you do not obey the gospel tonight, you're at enmity with God when you lay your head down tonight. You... Versus the creator of the entire universe. The giver of everything good that you choose to oppose. Now I've given you the bad news. I've stood before you and I've given you the bad news. I've explained all the wrong things to say. But are you ready for the good news? That is the gospel. That is the gospel. You might be staring down the barrel of a gun right now. You might acknowledge that. You might know that you're hanging off the ledge. That you're hanging off a cliff by two fingers. You might know that you're at enmity with God. You might owe a lot more 
then you have to pay. But you know what? The good news is that Christ already paid it for you. You know how he did that? He gave his life. He gave everything that you're clutching to when you grip the pew to avoid the invitation song, to avoid coming forward and being saved. And you, you would deny that. Jesus told us that all that we must do to be saved is recorded here in this book, in the words of life. And there's not a person in this room that can say now that they won't know what to do as soon as I'm done with this lesson. And you won't be able to say, or God forbid you say, I wasn't sure what to do. God forbid you say, the Bible wasn't clear enough. God forbid you say, I was waiting for a sign. Here's your sign. God forbid you say, I thought I would have time. That man didn't have time. 100 miles per hour. He was taken out. His life was ended. Happens every day. You won't have time. You may not have time. You say, I was thinking about it. I was mulling it over. I was really thinking about it. But it's too late, Lord. You think that's going to be good enough? Not. So we must look. And we must look into the Word of God. And we must see plainly what we must do. You know, Josh talked a bunch of hypotheticals tonight that people try to use to get out of obeying the gospel and try to squirm and just fight and tear and rip away from God and to get as far away from the gospel as they can to do everything that they can to avoid obeying the truth. And it's not just these hypothetical questions. It's these very, very weak attempts at logical arguments of I'm young, I have time, I'm just not ready, I'm not, I don't understand, I'm not in the right place. You don't have these excuses anymore. Listen to me. I don't doubt that people have it in their heads right now that if Judgment Day came, that they would still try their very, very best to try and dispute with God so that they could make their way to heaven. I don't doubt that you think that. If you're not in a right relationship with God right now, that you would go up there and you would try. And you would try to talk with Him. And that's what you think in your head is, I'll try to reason with Him. I'll try to convince Him to let me in. But I'm telling you this right now. You probably won't. Look in Isaiah chapter 6. Look in Isaiah chapter 6, please. Isaiah gives us a preview here of what I think our reaction is legitimately going to be when we see God. And we need to, we need to understand this. Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 2. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He saw the Lord in a vision here, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's how I think we're going to react. I don't think you're going to give some convoluted argument for why you needed more time or some hypothetical or some excuse, some lame excuse like, I wanted to talk about it later. I was thinking about it. I was just sitting on the dime. You will bow before the Lord because you'll see how awesome He is and how much He loved you and how He gave you everything. 
And you'll see the outpouring of His grace and you'll cry out, Holy, holy, holy. Sanctified above me, greater than I am, is God. You will acknowledge that. Whether or not you obey Him or not, you will acknowledge that. You will be face to face with God. And you will be given that final opportunity to give your case. And if you're not prepared, then you're going to say things like, I tried, I messed up, but I did a lot of good things to make up for it. And that won't cut it. No matter how much good works you do, you can't undo your sin. You'll try to say say things like, "I, I tried to finish the race, Lord, but the path was too hard. The Lord set out the path and He knows that you can run it because He told you to run it. You're going to say things like, I couldn't help it, Lord. You just made me this way. No, He didn't. He made you after His own image. You were corrupted because you allowed yourself to be. And finally, you'll say things like, I didn't obey the gospel. I know, but it seemed like I had time. It seemed like I could wait. It seemed like I could sit on the dime. None of that's going to fly. To the person that is going to try to make these excuses, and that's going to try to talk to God and try to convince His way into heaven, You won't make it. None of those things are worth saying on Judgment Day. But you know what you can do to be prepared before you go? You can obey God's plan of salvation. It's going to be clearly deposited to you now, without a question or a shadow of doubt, straight from the Scriptures. You must hear the Word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. You must believe in Christ and His message. John chapter 3 verse 16. You must repent of your sins. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. Or you will perish. You must confess Jesus. You must acknowledge Him before men if you want to be acknowledged before God. And finally, you must be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Then if you'll continue in the faith and live faithful unto death, you'll receive that crown of glory. And you ask, Cain, you've done away with every possible explanation I could give to God of how I could make it into heaven. So what more is there to say? How about this? How about we just get out of the way? How about we just shut our mouths and not try to argue our way into heaven and we let Christ do what He wants to do, we obey His gospel, and we let Him do what He did on the cross and stand in our place and give us our defense. And make us right. And restore our right relationship with God. Where we can live with Him in fellowship in heaven forever. Do you see that? Do you see the beauty of that? Do you see how with Christ, you don't have to come up with some convoluted argument. He'll be your defense. He'll stand up for you. He'll give His life for you. He'll help you to be raised just in the same manner that he was. Brother or sister, if you haven't been living right, you fall fall into the first category, or God forbid, even the second category that we discussed tonight. We're able to help you. We'll pray with you. We'll study the Bible with you. And we'll encourage you on to better things. Furthermore, though, if you've not obeyed the gospel, and you haven't entered into Christ, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, well, then now you don't have an excuse. You know what you have to do. And you know that judgment day can come any day. And that you're wasting your time otherwise. And I'm standing before you, pleading with you and inviting you. I will stand right here. And I will open myself up. I will sit here and I will talk with you first. It doesn't matter if you need days. I will sit here on this pew, 
I will sit here on this pew. I will not even shower. I will sit here and talk with you, okay? And we will we will hash it all out. Any excuse you have, I'll hear it. We'll look in the New Testament and we'll sort it out. But please, if you have not obeyed the gospel, do not just sit there gripping the pew. Now's your time. Now's your time to come and do what God wants you to do so you don't have to come up with a bunch of weak excuses on Judgment Day. Come forward now as we stand and as we sing.